everyone, it's Creatively Anzi, stories, plays and poems. Um, I'm actually in the process of re-recording some of the other, my first podcast that I did. Now I know how the podcasting world works. <laughs> so I'm going to be re-recording some of these panels so that my voice is clearer and some editing stuff is much better. Some editing stuff, you know, the technical difficulties that we always face. But anyway, this is the Galactic Confessionary re-recorded and actually rewritten so I've changed some of the parts in the scenes I think I've tightened up some scenes a little bit better please do let me know in the comments but here is the blurb the galactic confessionary as host of one of the most powerful confessionaries in the galaxy Shoza has advised some of the deadliest beings alive there is no secret she hasn't heard of or situation she wasn't able to fix aside from her own situation that is high angel Seth is the youngest higher angel in existence and it's his job to punish and neutralize wayward angels, immortals and mortals, along with any threats that break and challenge angelic law. Shoza's existence is a threat to angelic law, but despite her existence challenging everything Seth believes in, he is compelled by her, and the Elder Council needs Shoshana's skills to uncover a new and powerful weapon that has the ability to kill immortals. Shoshana. Shoza made her way to the booth, just like any other day, to hear the confessions of others. She'd been working at the Galactic Confessionary, or the GCE, for nearly four years, a seemingly unorthodox but strangely necessary place the universe's elite to the most decrepit came to unburden themselves of all manners of sins, debauchery and the occasional heroic deed. Their voices augmented before being transmitted via radio waves to the furthest reaches of the universe. Advisor? Shoza wondered how it was possible to fit so much contempt into one word, but then it was Mystic Monroe, heiress to the Monroe Confessionary Train, a dynasty worth so much that no one knew the true sum. Lily Monroe, Mystic's mother, was a savvy businesswoman who Shoza respected. Her daughter, on the other hand, was something else entirely, and she made her way down the corridor with reluctance. Do not keep me waiting so long, advisor, Mystic said, her hand on the door of the booth, tossing her curtain of red hair over her shoulder with impatience. Mystic hated the length, but had grown it long because the current Emperor of Venus had commented how much she resembled an Irish mermaid. Not that Irish mermaids existed, not that mermaids existed on Earth, but when the compliments kept coming, her hair kept growing. Yes, Mystic, Shoza said. This is a slow day. I am done for the rest of the evening. Use the automated voice over. I am off to the summit after party, Mystic said, opening the door of the booth. The appearance inside still managing to startle Shoza, despite working here for four years. The rest of the building, designed by Lily herself, had a cosy coffee shop feel, but the inside of the booth looked more like a high-tech cockpit, complete with a teleporter inside that had taken Shoza months to learn because, of course, such things were beneath Mystic's notice. As your mother mentioned in her previous mission, Shoza began calmly, because dealing with Mystic was like dealing with a spoiled rotten toddler who'd never heard the word no before. Hold on, wait a minute, Shoza said, turning fully to face Mystic. I thought you didn't believe in Runia. I don't. That there are weapons in existence that can kill immortals, undoubtedly. There are a few. Weapons that mortals can wield? Wield with ease that can kill immortals? Impossible. When will you mortals ever learn? We immortals exist on a higher plane of existence. I am going to the after party to socialise. Something you ought to try doing once in a while, Mystic said haughtily. 
Shosa's response was cut off by an urgent knocking on the door. Well, Mystic demanded, even though she was stood closer to the control panels. Shosa stepped fully into the booth and brought up the feed on one of the six 20-inch monitors in front of her for the, for the front entrance. In keeping with the basic laws of confessionaries, they weren't, strictly speaking, allowed any cameras, so they used detectors that could register body heat, pulse, perfume, basically everything but an image. The customers that she knew the name of, she'd either guessed or been told privately, especially her regulars. The sensors assured her that these two humanoid-looking people had slightly elevated heartbeats, but that was normal. Seeing nothing out of the ordinary, for this place anyway, she nodded to Mystic. Mystic rattled off the practice speech about the rules of confessing and paying extra for advice. Her voice terse. They both stilled as several large, priceless jewels were deposited. The machine assured them they were real. Would you like some in-depth advice for an extra fee? Mystic said genially, staring at a diamond the size of an apple, before it was deposited straight into a safe that teleported it to Lily. Shoshana is akin to... Sherlock Holmes, a beautiful feminine voice said in Rubarian. Sherlock Holmes, Mystic echoed, sitting down beside Shosa. The mortal detective from centuries ago. I read up of this place when we were told to venture here. You deduced that the Count of Anubis had severe arachnophobia. He flinched at the mispronunciation of the word Nancy. It sounded like a Nancy from the ancient earth one fable about a demigod that took the form of a spider. Mystic shared a look with Shoda, who, despite herself, suppressed a smile. That is true. The information outside is inaccurate. Shoza's rates have just increased, Mystic said smoothly. She's even undergone the famed Cassini arts, not dissimilar to the earthling term profiler. Both study behaviour and the characteristics to ascertain what, motiv- what motivates people to do certain things. But Cassini is not limited to just criminals. Mystic's, Mystic pressed a button to admit the wealthy couple and they heard them walk through the short corridor and into the booth opposite. More precious jewels were deposited into the safe. And she, Mystic began, Stop it! Shosa whispered fiercely as a familiar yet unwanted sensation drifted through her. This strange feeling, her spidey senses, the force, or maybe it was an instinct. Whatever it was usually led her to saving people, but then it also ended up landing her in a lot of dangerous situations, not to mention exposure, and after Bilal, she'd sworn to stop putting herself, and more importantly, other people, in situations where they could die. For some reason, this couple was triggering her senses. We will pay all that is required, advisor. We have been instructed to come to this confessionary and speak to you in particular a masculine voice interjected the deep baritone of his voice unintentionally sensual shoza and mystic both stilled at the male voice and mystic tossed her hair over her shoulder and sat up straighter despite the fact that they couldn't be seen is the teleporter inside the booth active the male voice asked in rubarian but unlike his lover he didn't have a rubarian accent Yes, Mystic said, all but purring. This place has the very top grade in security, though. No system will ever keep away those who hunt us, he interrupted. Of course, Mystic said placatingly. There is no need to disguise our voices. We intend to state who we are for the record, the compelling male voice said. 
I shall announce my name and tell my side of the story. Then you shall do the same, my love, the woman said in Rubarian, as Mystic hit the live button. My name is Kea Van Clare of the Rubarian Nation, and I wish... She hesitated. I ask my parents for their forgiveness, for the hell I'm about to unleash, and state for the record they knew nothing of what transpired between me and... and my one true love. They had a flair for the dramatic, good for ratings, and shows I had to admit she was interested. I now believe in the concept of soulmates. I knew something was missing from my life, but I didn't know what until I met the person who had the other half of my soul, Kaya said softly. I am in love with someone I shouldn't, well not shouldn't, but can't be in love with, to his family, to his, his whole planet, to the universe, no one is deserving of him, of his kind. I know it's wrong, I am nothing in the face of him, but somehow my heart did not get the message, and nor did his, we are different species, we may look alike, Poor replicas of... She paused. Shoza was gripping her seat. As far as she knew, Rubarians were allowed to marry anyone of similar species. They were in the top 20 list of the Galactic Federation's universal planets of peaceful and intelligent life. Their people had inspired the myths of fairies on Earth with their ethereal looks. They were a peace-loving planet. So what planet could it be that was so against their coupling? She glanced at Mystic, who was leaning forward, her eyes trained on the wall opposite, as if she could see through it. I understand the logic, Kaya went on. I get the argument that has been had for centuries, that, that they cannot mate outside their own race. They are too powerful and too important to the balance of the universe, Kaya said in a rush, the words flowing out of her rapidly and uncontrolled. Shosa began to feel a sense of dread, as a sickly feeling of fear slowly washed over her and she felt her hand drift to the switchblade strapped to her thigh. As her heart rate sped up, her muscles tensing as she prepared to flee. Even here on Earth, one, I mean no offence, but even the most lawless place abides by that one rule. So what does that make me? Kaya sighed. My soul has mated with his. Do not leave until we are finished, advisor, the man whispered. Shoza glanced down and hadn't even realised that not only had she gotten up, but she was currently turning the door handle. She removed her hand, sat down and told herself to get a grip, because surely there was no possible way that... My name is Zachary, house of the Eli family, guardian, angel. Mystic gasped loudly, then clasped her hand over her mouth. Shoza froze, and she was sure her soul departed her body, closely followed by her heart, because if an angel... Then how could, but then how could they know? They couldn't. They didn't know. This was about them and their unholy, life-ending, universe-altering love affair. This wasn't about her. They didn't know what she was. And if she kept her cool, and he didn't read her mind, then she was fine. We embarked upon a love affair we knew was doomed from the start, Zachary said in Rubarian, his deep voice low, urgent and rapid, unable and unwilling to do anything else love each other. I knew it was wrong. No, I was told it was wrong. But I knew, I knew nothing in my existence could compare, could ever come close to the feeling of when she looked at me with love in her eyes. I cannot and will not deny the purity of love, especially when I should have been allowed to. This stopped because of something I saw because of his words became strained and he stopped talking. By the archangels, 
I'm being compelled to speak the truth, the angel said. Compelled? Joseph started confused. And the incessant hammering of her heart was making it difficult for her to focus on anything. You understood what I just said just now, he said, his voice soft and strangely full of fear. What is he saying, Shosano? Mystic whispered, her eyes round and fearful, because even among immortals there was a hierarchy. An angel sat at the very top. He's saying I'm dead, Shosa thought, because the angel had spoken in the language of angels. No machine could translate it, because you couldn't learn the language. You had to be born knowing it. She, she saw the door to the booth being opened, and she didn't even think to teleport out as the door was yanked open. Bright canary yellow wings that contrasted richly against his deep mahogany skin filled her field of vision. He was so beautiful that for a moment she was held captive over his inhumanly good looks. A small, clearly deranged part of her mind noted that his voice, held captivating, did nothing to convey exactly how otherworldly this angel's face, not to mention his entire body was. Mystic's mouth dropped open and she fainted. A petite woman poked her head around the corner, her large eyes widening further. That is, she looks like... Shosa blinked, her face colouring, and Zachary put a finger to his lips and gestured for Shosa to turn off the transmission, fear alive in his gaze. You know what I am, Shosa said slowly. Zachary just looked at her, because despite confessing an unforgivable sin live on radio, he was looking at Shosa as though her days were numbered, because he knew. Somehow he knew what she was. In this instance, who you are is far more dangerous than what. The reason why your compulsion is so strong, he said, putting a hand to his head as though he had a headache. You must relax. Your fear is making it stronger. My what? Your ability, your compulsion, he repeated when Shoza still looked lost. He glanced at Kea. You can compel the truth from people, Kea clarified her tone gentle. One of your angelic abilities. Angels have the ability to force people to tell the truth, Shosa said, stupefied, her gaze skirting to Zachary. No, no, Kay said quickly. Just you. That is your special ability. They both turned to Zachary at the same time, as he sighed. That you know so little of our kind shames me, Zachary began, then stopped abruptly, turning his head as though his name had been called. Mercenaries are teleporting in. Our time here has run out. Come with us. Kay said encouragingly, as she looked at Shosa with her bright green anime-worthy eyes that matched her skin so almost perfectly. Zachary was prevented from falling merely because he knew what your mother looked like. I cannot begin to fathom what they will do to you, should you ever be discovered. The seer must have brought us here for a reason, Kay said turning to Zachary, who was still staring at Shosa. Shosa didn't understand a word she had said, because her mind was reeling overloaded with too many ideas, the loudest one being to flee as far and as fast as she possibly could. A knee-jerk reaction, one that usually served her well, but this time, strangely, her instincts, her strange feeling she got, had calmed down and was telling her to stop. A seer only advises in terms of the masses. At Shosa's confused look, Zachary explained that a seer had told them to confess their love at this particular confessionary and seek out Shoshana's advice specifically. If the seer told you to come to this particular confessionary, then they must have foreseen something. That must be the reason. For you to come with us, 
Kay insisted. I want to, but I c- can't, Shosa stammered, because her instincts were screaming at her not to run now, but to stay. I can't explain it. It's like, I don't know, this weird instinct. Zachary's eyes sharpened at her use of the word instinct, and he stared at her for a long moment. If your instincts are guiding you to stay, then trust them, no matter how at odds it may seem to what your mind is urging you to do. We thank you for your help, advisor. I know what it is costing you to stay after running for so long. Shosa swallowed hard. Her instincts were telling her to stay. That if she fled with them, like her mind was telling her to do, then she'd doom them all. Maybe she was crazy. Or maybe her instincts that were always landing her in trouble were an angelic ability. Her mother was a parent that was an angel. She'd always wondered. By the gods, what was wrong with her? She was refusing the only help she'd ever been offered to escape her fate. Go, Shosa said before she could change her mind and hop on the first telepad with them. You are the daughter of one of the nine. Never forget that, Zachary said before they both teleported out. Shosa's legs gave away as she slumped down to the ground. Her eyes burned with the tears she refused to shed. She was dead. That much she knew for certain. She'd always known that she couldn't outrun her fate forever. There was no going down fighting when it came to the angels. Mystic was right. Shosa didn't socialise much because the less people she knew, the less people who could be hurt. She walked out of the booth and went to the window that opened out to the lush green fields in Hampstead Heath and took a deep, steadying breath. The air pure and clean. Cleaner than it had probably ever been. The angels had used a technology that felt more like magic to reverse all the damage the earthlings had done. This is what they did. They came in and saved people. They'd saved Earth from extinction when the Earth had grown too polluted to breathe. In a desperate attempt to save humanity from extinction, a group of brave souls had volunteered a one-way trip to Mars. Good news was, Mars was a viable option. Bad news? It was already inhabited, anyhow. The Martians weren't too keen on the idea of being colonised. Instead of sending the humans back to their fate, they put them in touch with a galactic federation Deals were made, and tada, a fresh, uninhabited planet, Earth 2, the planet of the valiant souls who'd gone in search of a new planet, aka Valencia. To all the mortals and most immortals, angels were like benevolent gods. That was if you obeyed their rules, because once you crossed them, then you'd better wish for the devil instead. Demanding knock on the door had her jumping a foot, and she glanced back at Mystic, who had just opened her eyes. Shoshana, it's me, Levi? Detective Levi shouted. Open the door, please. I ask to be sent here first. We've got every mercenary porting in, private jet's heading this way. I think they want to torture the information out of you and capture the couple and return them to the Federation for a reward. The shaking fingers shows her slowly open the door. She was pulled into a hub. I'm so sorry you had to endure that. Shosa stood back and looked at him and wondered if the angels would wipe his mind as well. She had to protect him. She had to at least pretend. Torture us? Mystic skilled, her hands flying to her throat. We don't know anything. Just another confession, part of the job, Shosa said, going for nonchalance and failing miserably. Levi and Mystic gave her a look of complete disbelief. Levi turned and began issuing instruction to what had to be nearing two dozen troops who poured in after him. Shosa wanted to ask them to leave, but she found her voice wasn't working well, and pretending everything was fine to Levi would prove difficult especially in front of so many. She gestured Levi over to the staff room. Staff room was really a loose term for what looked more like a coffee shop 
and a bar that made the most sensational cocktails. It was the only thing Lily had allowed Mystic to alter in the entire building, and Shosa had to admit she was glad for it. Tea? Water? Something stronger? Shosa said, trying to hide the tremor in her fingers. You're offering him beverages? By the gods, an angel was in this confessionary, Mystic said breathlessly, regaining some of her composure as she grabbed a bottle from the top shelf, hastily uncorked it, and took a healthy swig of the green liquid inside. She coughed, then took another swig. Wait until mother hears. Our prices are going to skyrocket. With all due respect, Miss Monroe, how can you speak of prices when you may not survive the night? Levi said incredulously. Your temporary lapse in judgment will be forgiven, detective. Since the situation has unsettled you, but you are speaking to a Monroe, she said with disdain. Your presence here, I'm sure, is on behalf of the Federation, and not because Shoshana occasionally leaks privileged information to you. I, Shosa began, save it. I do not care if you help him catch the occasional serial killer who ventures through our doors, but my mother and I will speak directly to the angels about what we heard. Shoshana, make yourself scarce. I'll be back after I slip into something acceptable that will befit an angel's gaze, she said before leaving the staff room. Shosa heard the gentle whoosh of the teleporter a second later. Let's have some of that, Levi said, nodding to the bottle Mystic had left on the counter. Shosa poured him a glass before taking a swig herself. Levi took a sip and almost gagged. How the hell do you drink this stuff? That's 80% alcohol. I'm half human, remember? But I think most mortals would struggle to consume that much anyway, he said, watching her, his Martian side giving his skin and eyes a reddish tinge. Shosa shrugged. She hadn't missed his emphasis on the word most. He knew she was something else, but she'd never told him. Why are you here? Shosa said, trying to keep her voice steady and wondering if she should just drain the bottle. Maybe it would be easier to die if she was already drunk. I thought we talked about this. You only come down for information on a confession when it's very urgent and you call first. You always call now, Mystic. Okay, she was losing her call. Anyway, I don't know where they are. They teleported out. You know, the telepads we use here are untraceable and I wouldn't advise chasing down a guardian angel. How long would it take the angels to get here? A day? A few hours? They could fly, but they would still have to port in and heaven was several light years away. I know you don't. Mystic always knew. As does Lily. The very minute moral part of them knows that allowing serial killers to run free is wrong. As for the Federation, they're just apprehensive over what the angels will do, so I volunteered to come here as soon as possible. Why would the Galactic Federation be apprehensive? Had the angels already told them? How would they spin things? Surely they wouldn't tell everyone she was half. More like paint her as some criminal. Had Levi come here to arrest her? Levi gave her an incredulous look as he took another sip of the drink she'd given him. Because it's angels? No one defies them? Shows her. They're not like other immortals. They're a law unto themselves. You know this? Officially, the Galactic Federation oversees the laws of the united allied planets in the known universe, but we both know that's just a front, a formality, to make the masses believe their votes matter. The angels wrote and enforced most of the laws to defy angelic laws to court death. You know, some people on my wife's home planet of Midas one worship them. Why are you telling me what I already know? Are you stalling for something, detective? Because you never ramble. Shosa asked, casting suspicious eyes at his officers who loitered outside, their eyes alert. I think it's best I be here when they arrive. Whatever the Monroes think, the angels are always thorough with their interviews. Shosa narrowed her eyes. Okay. You're exceptionally diplomatic. Your ability to root out even the most obscure information is unparalleled. I trust your advice above my own sometimes. It's why I chose you as senior shadow advisor. That being said... When it comes to angels, 
you're extremely prejudiced and you have an unusual aversion to their kind, he said gently, because I do not count out to them like everyone in the universe, because I'm not running off to change clothes like Mystic, she said, a note of hysteria in her voice. She took a deep, steadying breath. You don't have to worry about me. I can be diplomatic. I will tell them what I told you, that I don't know where the couple are. It's, it's a little ridiculous how quickly they reacted to this. When there are more important things, like these weapons that can kill immortals. They have a street name now. Tumavarium. Levi sat up a little straighter as he put his glass down. I thought you said it was just a rumour, that you didn't know anything. Now they have a street name? I still don't know enough, but I did plant a device on Lily Monroe. She didn't stay for the entire summer, but I was able to hear a few things, Shoza said, feeling herself relax a little. Kutumavarian is a type of metal, malleable and very strong. Unlike elven steel, mortals can wield it. Who's supplying them? What planet are they coming from? That's the weird thing. Nobody knows their exact origin, she said seriously, glad for the change in subject. They are completely untraceable by the standard inspections, from what the governor of Dawnside was saying. They emit a dangerous aura that can kill if exposed to for too long, which is probably why we haven't been able to get our hands on one. The people using these weapons are dying from them. Hmm, Levi said, picking up his drink again. It has the vampires and elves rattled. I'm journeying to Fleria in a few hours to check out some leads. A few immortals are actually banding together for once to discuss a plan of action. He whispered, then paused, as his phone beeped. He stared down at the screen for such a long moment that Shoza knew he'd seen something that startled him. What is it? She whispered. Levi met her gaze. I don't think I've ever seen you afraid. What has this news triggered in you? An angel just confessed to having a soulmate that is immortal, live on air. All laws are broken at one stage or another, but the ones set by the angels are never broken. The universe will be in uproar over the news, Shoza said, instead of telling him the truth, which was that in a few hours, maybe less, she wouldn't be interviewed by the angels. She would be killed. The universe I get, but you personally, I don't see how. I understand and even admire need to always jump in and help people, usually at the detriment of your own life, but that's not the case here. He leaned forward. What, you're not telling me? Nothing, she said too quickly, then took a deep breath. I appreciate your concern, Detective Levi, but I can handle this alone. There was disappointment in Levi's gaze and too much understanding for Shoza to maintain eye contact for long. He got up slowly. Be careful when they come, Shoza. I've heard. Off the record, of course. He glanced down at his phone and took a deep breath. If anyone else had done this, she would have accused them of being dramatic, but it was Levi. So Shoza braced herself as he looked up and said, You are to be interviewed by Higher Angel Seth. He must have read the fear she could not hide. He squeezed her hand. I'm here? No, Shoza said, snatching her hand back. Be there for your family and your squad. Do not be there for me. He stared at her for a long moment, then touched the earpiece in his ear. I'm on my way, he responded as he walked to the door. The Monroe's personal security guard detail have just arrived, but I'll keep a unit outside to ensure all these mercenaries that have been teleporting onto Earth since the broadcast don't get any bright ideas. Levi hesitated at the threshold. And Shoza? I consider you as part of the squad. Shoza looked away as her eyes burned with tears. By the gods, she was dead either way. Seth, higher angel Seth, the youngest higher angel in existence, a powerful being among powerful beings. He'd see her for what she was in an instant, and he'd erase her from existence. Her only hope was that she'd kill her and not erase the minds or even kill the people she knew. The higher angel, Seth. The eleven angels landed as one, walking forward in formation. High Angel Seth led his legion, who flanked him on either side. 
The protesters outside the confessionary building, being held at bay by soldiers, fell silent at once, most falling to their knees in respect. Seth didn't spare the mortals a glance, his sole focus on the being that had been a whisper, a shadow, a liability that could not be allowed to exist, was inside the modest three-storey stone building. After hearing rumours for years, guardian angel Zachary's confession had tipped Seth off, because when Zachary had seen the host, he'd whispered to her in their native tongue. It wasn't what he'd said, it was how he'd said it. Zachary was currently being hunted by dozens of angels, not to mention the universe's most ruthless mercenaries, but he'd been afraid both of her and for her. It was all Seth needed. He'd gone back and listened to their other transmissions, and the proof had been there for the universe to hear. A part of him was oddly impressed at how she'd hidden in plain sight. They reached the entrance and paused. Two mortals dressed in ball gowns stood at the entrance, stared at them with wide eyes full of adulation. I will go in alone, surround the building, Seth telepathed his lesion. They all nodded. Make sure the device is active so no one can teleport out. Then he turned and directed his thoughts only to the second in command, warrior angel Cassandra. Ensure that no one enters. Scan the two mortals at the door and drain them. She nodded at once. Satisfied, he entered the building alone, as the two mortals both fainted as he walked past them. Like all angels, could read people's thoughts, but like very few angels, he had a special ability that gave him an edge that was both a blessing and a curse. Seth's telepathy was different. It didn't just grant him the ability to read minds. His powers wanted to possess the minds. His power was also an active power, which meant he couldn't turn it off. So he was constantly reeling in his ability so as to not destroy the minds around him. Only the strongest minds even had a hope of keeping him out. And fewer still were somehow immune from his ability. And he was surprised to find that the host was part of that exclusive club. Seth walked forward down the short corridor his footsteps soundless on the wooden floorboards. Two wooden doors faced him. Her thoughts buzzed noisily against his mind, her heart rate elevated, but her breathing steady. She was in the booth to the left. You're not afraid, he asked, curiosity overcoming him, his hand stilling against the handle of the door. Should I be? She stammered. Yes, Seth said as he heard her heart rate jump. Confessions made here are privileged information, and unless you have a subpoena by the Galactic Federation, I'm unable to share their location, she said, her voice surprisingly steady, despite the rapid beat of her heart. Your trip here was wasted. No, it was not, Seth said softly. Guardian angel Zachary and his Rubarian consort, Kaya, are inconsequential. You are who I came for, half-breed. Seth felt the flurry of her thoughts against his mind, but they still remained indecipherable. A few moments of charged silence before she took a deep breath. I will go willingly, she said, her voice overly formal. No one knows what I am. The Monroes have no idea what I am. There is no need to hurt anyone. I, I know. I'm sure you know the only person that I told had their mind erased by your kind. Seth's brow frowned. As far as he was aware, only the Elder Council and the Seers knew of the existence of a half-breed, and none of them had ever had any contact with her until now, which meant someone else knew. He was about to question her further on this, when she walked out of the booth. She, Seth took a step back. She gave him a perplexed look. Your name, he said, unbelieving of what he was seeing. sh 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 she stuttered. Cassandra, get in here, Seth thought quickly. Cassandra ran in, poised for battle, and skidded to a stop in front of Shosana. 
When he saw the look of absolute shock on Cassandra's face when she glanced at the half-breed, he knew he had not, in fact, imagined it. Higher angel, is she? She looks like... Guard your thoughts. Her mind is exceptionally strong. Cassandra nodded slowly as she stared at Shoshana with open fear. Seth placed his hand on the half-breed's shoulder, draining her energy. She began to fall unconscious to the floor before he caught her. Cassandra said. Higher angel, is she? Yes, Seth said. She's the offspring of one of the nine archangels. Heaven, Shoshana. Shows awoke with a start and cast about wildly. She was in a room so beautiful, so artfully and tastefully decorated, that for a moment all she could do was look around in wonderment. Clearly the French neoclassical architectural style had been heavily influenced by this room. The walls were a pale gold and the afternoon sun shining through in the large bay windows made them shimmer like gold. The effect dazzling when it was coupled with the drops of rainbows created but as the light caught the chandelier taking up residence in the centre of the room. Above a large table adorned with some of the most decadent and rare fruits from the deepest recesses of the known universe. She got up in a kind of trance and looked up at the ceiling that depicted a lifelike neural of sherups gleefully fighting over a bag of fruits. Angels! Her mind screamed and reached for the switchblade at her thigh. It was still there but it did nothing to slow the rapid beating of her heart. She took a deep breath in, the oxygen purifying her. She'd never smelt air so pure, purer than anything on Earth or any other planet she'd ever been on. She was in heaven. She had to escape. She had to do something. But where would she go now? That higher angel Seth wanted her dead. She'd actually had the gall to speak to such a being some planets worshipped as a god. Her legs began to feel weak, and she almost face-planted the floor. How would she ever survive? She probably wouldn't, based on his reaction yesterday. He knew not only what she was, but who, which was somehow worse. Shoza couldn't imagine how that could be possible when the end result would still lead to her very swift death. She looked around her opulent surroundings, searching for a clock. How much time had even passed? Her death was most likely being decided as she sat here marvelling at the decor. She laughed and the sound cut off almost comically when the door began to open. She tried to school her features into something more than awed disbelief as the dark angel stepped into the room. He was unlike anything she had ever seen and likely to ever see again. She spent so much time avoiding angels, even images of them, that she'd forgotten why it was most mortals would sell their souls just to be near one of these immortal beings. Now she knew why, despite immortality not being exclusive to angels, no other being was worshipped as gods because angels were so far removed from mortality that godliness was the closest comparison. Seth was no exception. It almost hurt to look at him, as if her half-mortal eyes couldn't look upon such beauty, shouldn't look into eyes the colour of the sky at night, complete with tiny pinpricks of silver, framed by thick curly lashes that on any other person may have made their gaze soft and innocent. The thought made her almost smile, and he tilted his head to the side, making his raven dark hair fall to the side and making her aware that she'd been staring at him all this time. She felt her face heat up and took a deep breath to center herself, which was clearly a mistake as her mouth began to water. He smelt like a warm summer's evening, carrying the lush scent of wood smoke coca, dark, decadent, utterly delicious. She swallowed as her gaze strayed to his wings, the deep darkness of space dusted with pinpricks of silver, a representation of the cosmos. They looked so soft, 
so beautifully rich in texture, but she knew that they were stronger than diamonds. One feather was worth more than her weight in gold, and angels went around shedding this. You shouldn't exist, he said in the language of angels. His words hit her like a physical blow, and suddenly she felt fear, such as she'd never known before. She hadn't realised, but the air had changed when he'd walked in, his power so potent that it was affecting the very atoms in the air. And abruptly, she wondered if he'd come here to put her life to a very sudden end. She was going to die. She was lusting after her executioner. A bubble of laughter almost escaped her as he narrowed his eyes. He was speaking. Had he been speaking the entire time? Not yet past judgment on whether you can continue your existence. He spoke of her death so casually. You will... When will I know if I can continue existing or not? She interrupted, because clearly she was feeling suicidal. She blamed the air, which was likely too pure and was the cause of her psychotic break. You can't keep me here. It's against the universal code, she continued when he remained silent. You mean the codes we helped write? There was a deadly edge to his voice, his gaze, if possible, growing even more intense. So, she cleared her throat, envisioning herself handing him a shovel as they both dug a nice clean patch for her final resting place. Do as I say, not as I do. He blinked and looked almost startled. You should have care in the way you address me. He said it softly. Even his voice was beautiful, the rich baritone almost musical. Abruptly her fear evaporated and was replaced by blistering and all-consuming anger. She'd lived a life, dodging everything and everyone, forming little to no attachments, and after all of the misery she'd put herself and others through, it had amounted to nothing. She was caught and was to be killed for the crime of merely existing. Or what? she snapped. My life is worth nothing to you, and you're going to kill me, anyway. And for what? Existing? Because I am proof that your holier-than-thou race makes mistakes, breaks the rules? Seth's eyes flashed, and Shoza felt a ring in her ears as he took a step forward. Heart beat a desperate rhythm in her chest, as though it knew the end was near and wanted to abandon ship. But when he spoke, his words were modulated and oddly reasonable. These are surprising words coming from the shadow senior advisor to the Galactic Federation. Shoza's eyes widened at his words. Her role was classified above top secret. Yes, we were aware the Federation, not to mention several powerful leaders, regularly sought your advice, which is why you of all people should know that our holier-than-thou race is the only thing that keeps certain mortals and immortals alike moral. You said as much yourself on a number of occasions. Even with our rules in place, tell me, would the universe not fall into anarchy if the mortals did not fear our punishment? How can we then punish if we are not respected? Make no mistake, for most mortals it is fear that leads to respect. Your existence challenges this. Tell me I am wrong, Seth said. There was a challenge in his gaze. Shoza was surprised he'd given her a response instead of simply killing her for daring to challenge him. But she wondered if maybe his response was worse because he was right. If her role at the confessionary had taught her anything, it was that most mortals were moral out of fear of punishment, not out of the goodness of their hearts. Sometimes some of the most hardened criminals would be reduced to blubbering idiots at the mere mention of angels being called to interrogate them. You are not wrong, higher angel. I know this, Seth responded, his arrogance infused in every syllable. But that doesn't mean I'm wrong either, Shoza defended. Punishing a child for the mistakes of their parents is wrong. What would you do if you were punished because of your parents' action? Shoza stopped abruptly as Seth's eyes flashed dangerously. 
and she took a step back as his wings unfurled, and it seemed like he was going to end up killing her after all, when he suddenly paused, his head tilting to the side, and Shoza felt the soft brush of telepathic communication. His eyes were cold with fury for a long moment before he abruptly turned and strode to the door. Follow me, half-breed, he said before walking out of the door. Shoza followed the higher angel into heaven. The Elder Council. Shoza had to keep telling herself not to let her mouth hang open and not to gasp. The Council of Elders was sublime. Had the earthlings thought they'd come close when they claimed they'd created a near replica with their palace of Versailles? They'd grossly exaggerated. All the imitations she'd seen didn't come close. All works of arts and words paled in comparison to the real thing. It was beyond anything she'd ever experienced. The whole place seemed to shimmer. The soft lights hanging from chandeliers overhead, even the floor beneath her, seemed to hum with life. On any other day, with any other company, she would have had her face plastered against the stained glass windows in open awe. But she was currently walking to what had to be her dupe, and despite her beautiful surroundings, that was all she could think of. She smiled even as her eyes smartened. She couldn't summon up the requisite amount of terror or fear. All she felt was oddly defeated. After a lifetime afraid, it was a little anticlimactic, but then, the, but then she was never going to go down in a blaze of glory. An angel wouldn't have to fight her, they would merely glance at her and she'd die, and to them, death was a mercy. She'd stayed clear of any mention of angels, but rumours and stories always leaked through. She felt a chill run down her spine as fear threaded itself through her despite what she thought. At least they were giving her a trial, beheading or thrown off a cliff. Her smile widened. What is wrong with me? Shoza sighed heavily and saw Seth still for a fraction before he continued, his steps measured and purposeful. Her gaze strayed to his wings. They seemed to absorb the very light around them. The colour was so pure, the representation of the night sky so absolute that for a moment she felt entranced. They seemed so exceptionally soft, which seemed incongruous with the man himself. Nothing about Seth seemed like it should be soft. Certainly not his athletic body that, even clad in a crisp white shirt and dark trousers, hummed with barely leashed power. The body of a warrior, of a god, of a... Okay, she really needs to get a grip. He wanted her dead, had basically said as much not two minutes ago, was most likely leading her to death, and yet she was drooling after him like some immortal lost immortal. Seth opened a door and gestured for her to walk in. Shoza stopped herself from complying. What are we doing here? she asked, hearing the defeat in her own voice. We are deciding if he can continue to live. Shoza blinked, taken aback, and had to fight the sudden threat of tears. She met his level gaze, and threatened bodily harm to her eyes if they so much as started watering. When they didn't, she squared her shoulders and began to tell herself all she had survived before she was able to walk through the large double doors. Shoza faltered as she glanced up and tried not to be intimidated by the radiant beauty and power of the four members of the Elder Council. Elder Council of Heaven, I present to you for your judgment, Shoshana, Seth said before walking forward and taking his seat amongst the council. Shoza, needing no further instruction, walked forward and bowed deeply before straightening. Never in our existence have we been faced with such a situation, a regal-looking angel said. If she'd been human, Shoza would have assumed she had East African ancestry, her skin a smooth raw umber colour that contrasted sharply with her lustrous gold wings. Pencil thin braids held in a complicated updo. She stared at Shoza with eyes of a stormy blue that held a frightening amount of power and a deep seated ancient knowledge. 
She, just like the other members of the council, was intelligent, beautiful and powerful. A perfect representation of angel kind. It was intimidating, all their powerful and a few disapproving eyes on her. She felt mortal, ordinary and a strange need to come clean about all her past wrongs stole over her, compelling her to be honest to be. The room has my ability, shows the thought suddenly. No wonder Seth had left her side so quickly. She didn't know how, but she, where she was standing was forcing her not only to be honest, but to reveal her deepest and darkest secrets. If they had something like this in human courts, it would have made convicting criminals much easier. She wondered, as it stands, we are still deciding if it is in fact wise to allow you to continue existing. Personally, I think it is not. I flinched at the words spoken by an arrogant voice of an angel, who was a few shades lighter than Ashan, his dark hair closely cropped, his wings a blinding white colour, the filaments threaded through with a warm honey, the same shade as his eyes. Eyes that were looking at shows with a kind of haughty contempt she usually associated with arrogant members of the gentry. Shoza felt herself beginning to panic, as worse she was sure would likely be pulled out of her by the power of this place rose up her throat. She met eyes the colour of a fractured diamond. It would have made the angel appear eerie and other, especially as her wings were the light, a light grey that appeared to be dusted with diamonds. But she gave Shoza a small smile of encouragement. She was the most mortal looking amongst them, and if she'd been human, Shoza would have thought she would have had Southern Asian ancestry, her skin a sandy brown, her demeanour welcoming, her gaze curious. It is certainly a difficult situation, but a being as unique as yourself surely should not be destroyed, at least not so painfully as the others have requested for, the friendly angel said. How gracious of you, Shoza said sarcastically, the words out of her mouth before she'd even thought to censure them. Many would be honoured to merely be in our presence be granted permission to tread on our sacred planet the arrogant angel began then have them come to heaven and take my place i'm sure they'll feel all warm and fuzzy as you'll casually discuss my impending death shoza continued incredulously the compulsion too strong for her to resist you will check your tone when addressing one of the members of the elder council he reprimanded anger haze shows his mind and she couldn't care less that she speak only the truth this arrogant sanctimonious angel was going to get a piece of her mind well, excuse me. The elder council immediately got on their knees. Shoza followed their gaze and saw nine individuals cloaked in light. Light was the only word she could think of because, like the sun, she couldn't seem to make direct eye contact with them. The power they wore like a second skin was too much for her mortal eyes to bear. Even the elder council were having trouble keeping their gazes on them. Shoza felt her knees buckle of their own accord as though her body knew she was in the presence of true power. The nine made their way forward. Archangels, shows the thought to herself. Oddly, she didn't feel afraid, despite the sheer power radiating off the nine in waves. Time seemed to freeze, and Shows's mouth dropped open as one of the archangels took a step forward, separating from the group slightly. A golden hood lowered seemingly by magic, and the face that was revealed had Shoza standing to take a step forward. Daughter, mine. The archangel, who had the same strange violet eyes that Shoza had inherited, said, and she reached out her hand, but before she could close the distance, another archangel surrounded the woman again. Shoza looked for her mother in the group, unable to differentiate one from the other. You may live, Shoshana, daughter of the night. The archangel said as one, their voices infused with so much power, it was almost too much to bear, as if all of time and space was trapped.
swifter than the words they spoke, and it took all her will not to pass out or worse, clasp her hands over her ears. The nine turned to Seth, and he inclined his head in some unspoken agreement before the other members of the Elder Council unfroze and time resumed once more. Elder Council, hear us, the Archangel said as one. Special care must be taken with this new member of our race. Higher Angel Seth, you may train her as your own. Her heritage shall ne'er be questioned. That she has angelic blood should be enough for the general populace to accept her. The nine have spoken. So their will shall be carried out, the Elder Council responded in concert. The Archangels disappeared in a burst of light. Shows are turned only to start, as all the members of the Elder Council stared at her in stunned disbelief. Somehow, she knew that what had just happened was monumentous. The Archangels probably never involved themselves in decision-making process. That they had meant Shosa wouldn't get swept up in her feelings thinking that her mother would take her out for cookies and ice cream. Okay, that was pathetic. She'd clearly seen too many Lifetime movies on Earth. Higher Angel Seth, Shoshana will live with you until she settles into her training, the regal-looking angel said, and she glanced quickly at the last member of the Elder Council, the one who'd been hidden in the shadows, but had leaned forward when the Archangels had ported in. He was looking down at Shoza, the angular planes of his face, hinting at an East Asian heritage, had he been human. But there was nothing human about this angel. He was too remote, too other. Even sitting amongst his own kind, he stood out. His eyes were a deep red, his wings the same crimson shade. But that wasn't what had shows a staring. It was the expression in his eyes, the deep sadness that seemed woven into the fabric of his entire demeanour. Her instinct sparkled to life, telling her to help him, that she had to know shows a thought forcefully, pushing the feeling away. No, she was not going to be listening to that feeling again. It was less of an instinct and more of a call to the void. Our judgment is passed on you, half-breed, the regal-looking angel said, snapping shows out of her crazy delusions. You may wait outside, but know this. You are lucky to be here. Reflect upon this as you wait for your new mentor, Seth. Seth watched as shows are stalked out of the room, ability to resist the compulsion from the booth of truth impressive. It distracted him momentarily from the blistering and all-consuming anger he felt towards her, or more accurately, her mother. There is nothing more important than our sacred rules. Without them, the universe would fall into chaos. Words he'd regularly repeated as a mantra, words he'd shaped his, his existence on, spoken by someone who'd broken one of their most sacred rules. He gritted his teeth over the hypocrisy, and a part of him felt betrayed. How could she have lied to him for so many centuries. How could she expect him to help cover up the oranges of the half-breed from the entire planet, including the Elder Council? The Archangels intervened, Gabriella said, her voice quiet with implications, her diamond eyes wide with scandalized shock. Who do you think is hired the half-breed? She went on, breaking the silence she had created. Must be someone of power, or they wouldn't be keeping it from that was the cause of my astonishment, to keep it from the masses is understandable, but from us, who must host her in our region, Matthias said, his reverence for the archangel warring with his inbred sense of entitlement to know everything. Indeed, O'Shawn agreed, and her stormy blue eyes travelled to Seth, but before they could perhaps ask him if he knew anything, he said, Is it wise that I live with her? If she is supposedly to become an angel, would it not be better to live in the trainee barracks? Supposedly? Gabriella said, perplexed. 
The half-breed will undergo training and will graduate as an angel, same as you or I. The same, Matai said incredulously. I would not go as far as to say this. No angel of good breeding will ever accept her. As you just stated, she is half-breed. As for making her live with a serf, that is rather excessive. That the archangels have granted you their favour by tasking you with any deed is of course an honour. But I fear many may see it for only for what she is an aberration. Any association with her, whether by choice or otherwise, will only have a negative impact on one's reputation. And Seth has not worked so tirelessly to remove the stigma of his past, just to have his character questioned, once again, by associating himself with a half-breed. As though he would ever agree with the judgement to not only spare the half-breed's life, but to have also have her live on this sacred planet. Seth stilled at Matthias' words. It hadn't occurred to him that the highborns would use this as an opportunity to question his past again. He gritted his teeth and he felt his ability that he always kept a tight hold of strain against his control. The thoughts of his companions that had been the low bars against his shields suddenly increased in volume and he took a deep steadying breath as he took back control. The archangel's word is final, O'Shawn said, her voice hard. Always I respect their judgment, Matthias said, inclining his head. But let us not pretend this show of lenience will not be seen as weakness, which I may go as far as to say is tantamount to death on some planets. I am sure you are all familiar with how the leader of Tan, a planet in my sector, is decided. Every five star years, the current leader is challenged to death by an opportunist, any opportunist. Some say this is barbaric. But after the fight, the entire country adheres to the laws laid out by the leader. I struggled to get an ambassador there for years, but only when my warrior challenged the leader to a fight and won did they permit her in. Strength guaranteed peace that day, and Tan is not the only plant that elects leaders based on their strength. You are fond of catastrophizing events, Matthias. Those are very specific planets that conduct themselves in such a manner, but I understand, O'Shan began again. Do you? Seth demanded. Consider the implications of what the Archangel's decision means. I know mortals will, O'Shan began. Let us forget for a moment what the mortals will do, and look to what angels here on heaven will think is acceptable. What other immortals whose morality and rules are things to be broken and naysayed at every opportunity? You accuse me constantly for adhering to the rules too closely, but they are enforced for a reason. Guardian Angel Zachary has just confessed for all of sentient life to hear that he has broken a sacred rule, and now a half-breed not only exists, but has been permitted to live and stay in heaven, and not a single person has been held accountable or has even been punished for these actions. He shook his head and paused as his ability strained making him painfully aware of how close to the edge he was walking. He began to repair the damage his ability had done to his shields, as he said, How can we hope to govern others when we cannot even govern ourselves? As I said, O'Shawn said exasperated, I agree for the most part with your grievances. How can you possibly agree? Gabriella interjected incredulously, because I'm at a loss as to how you can justify your statements when they reek of elitism and prejudice. Though we are the supreme paladins of the universe, many other planets have proven themselves time and time again as being worthy of the title, like Valeria, Nuala, and Evermore. 
It was the Earthlings that created the Galactic Federation, which most people forget because we took it over from them and enforced the laws. I have always been adamant that an intergalactic, communicative, inclusive union will always be better rather than us dictating and ruling with what has become in the recent decades something which I'd liken to an iron fist. The naivety of your statement is exactly why molly coddled members of a powerful angelic bloodline should not be allowed, Matthias began. I hope you're not about to say that I shouldn't be allowed to sit on this council. I have earned my right to be here, just like everyone else. And if I'm to point out the obvious, you are also from a powerful angelic bloodline, Gabriella retorted. Yes, but unlike you, I've not been sheltered from what the universe is really like for much of my life spoon-fed fairy tales about the wonders of inclusion so that my head fills with ridiculous notions like including lesser planets in our decision making that is enough Ashan said slamming her fist on the table ella you know i always appreciate your optimistic opinions but you mustn't allow your empathetic abilities to rule you and become lost in your emotions we do not rule with an iron fist but seth and matthias are right some planets are only moral out of fear of what will happen. Maybe one day we can include others, but with the emergence of these new weapons that can kill immortals, now is not the time to include outsiders on how we guard the universe from harm. Precisely, Matthias said. Though I understand your personal grievance, publicly we have been tasked with supporting the half-breed, O'Shawn said, before turning to Zaid. Higher Angel, you have been quiet as usual. Do not you have anything to say? I agree. With Gabriella, Zaid said, his features hidden by the shadows he always clung to. He paused as he leaned forward. Punishing a child for the actions of their parents is grossly unjust. The gaze swept over the room. They landed on Seth for a fraction longer as he said, A child's life should not be ruled by what their parents choose to do or not to do. There is another far pressing matter I wish to call the council's attention to. These new weapons, what the mortals are calling Tomivarium. One of the, my spies for my legion is giving a full briefing. I am extending the invitation to you all to attend. From the little I read from his initial findings, I believe we may have underestimated the power of these weapons for too long. Beth, I understand if you wish to send your second in your steed as you help your new trainee settle in. He inclined his head before teleporting out. By the archangels, Matai said angrily. I didn't think. You never do. In your indecorous speech, you have insulted Seth, Zaid, and even the half-breed for actions that were entirely out of their control, Gabriella seethed. Matai's turned to Seth. I only meant that. Being an orphan is somehow his fault, Gabriella interrupted heatedly. That's not what I meant, Matai said at once. If I spoke out of turn, then that was not my intention. But you cannot deny that now that a half-breed walks our halls, the future of Angel Kind has irrevocably altered. I understand your fears, but sometimes change is good, and fighting against it makes life harder, not easier. I hope you do not live to regret those words. Now let us join Zaid. His spies always have the best information. Matthias said, helping Gabriella up from her seat. As do I. Gabriella responded. They both teleported out. I know what you're thinking, Sean said. I know he apologised, but Matthias's comment... You think I care about what the highborns will say about my past? Yes, I think that is all that is occupying your thoughts and guiding your actions at present. You've worked tirelessly to fashion yourself into one of the most powerful beings in all of heaven. 
shaken off your past so absolutely that most forget that you are the youngest amongst us. You are no highborn, Seth, and I have always seen this as your greatest strength, but the flaw you view it as. The half-breed's presence will not undo all you have done, or how people who have any sense view you. As Ella said, might even change things for the better. I thought you agreed with me. I do, but the idealist in me also agrees with Ella. I felt your ability press into my shields earlier. You are angry. It is a reasonable reaction. One of your roles on the council is to hunt down wayward angels and bring them to justice. That whoever side the half-breed is unnamed is strange, but the archangel's word is final. Mishan walked forward and put her arm on his forearm as she said gently, I know you're afraid of seeming weak, but I fear nothing, Seth said coldly. Oshan stared at him, her gaze a little reproachful. As his old mentor, she tended to occasionally lecture him, but he was no neophyte. As though reading his mind, she inclined her head and took a step back before teleporting away. Seth stood for a moment, alone in the hall. He took a deep, steadying breath. Even after several centuries, the mention of his past was still enough to affect him. A weakness he assumed, becoming the youngest higher angel in heaven would cure him of. It hadn't. His parents and the rumours surrounding their disappearance and his involvement still dogged his every move. He checked his shields and confident his ability was well and truly under control. He walked out to find Shosa standing exceptionally still on the other side of the door, her gaze on the window. She turned towards him and the scent of cherry blossoms and honeyed apples washed over him as she approached. He could see the veneration mixed with fear in her purple gaze, a small hesitant smile on her full, perfectly sculpted lips. She tucked her unruly curls behind the colour of warm chocolate behind her ear, the shade a little darker than her flawless skin that appeared to shine in the afternoon sun. He attempted to smooth out the numerous wrinkles in her trousers as she took a step towards him, as though it would help fix her dishevelled appearance. That she'd even stepped into the chamber of truth, dressed so shabbily, had not gone unnoticed by a few of the higher angels. He gestured for her to follow him before she could utter a word. Higher angel, Seth. Warrior angel whisked low, said inclining her head as she passed by. Her gaze turned curious as it travelled to Shoza for a quick moment. Her reaction was perhaps by far the kindest, as they made their way to the higher angel apartment building. Seth noted the intense gazes Shosa received, coupled with a few looks of disapproval and outright disgust, which were directed at her. Shosa's stride didn't falter. Her face was impressively impassive, her heart beat steady, her hand he knew on the switchblade strapped to her thigh. They were both silent as she was silently judged by the others, and Zaid's comment about judging a child for the actions of their parents drifted into his mind. It was the exact words he told Seth almost four centuries ago, and one of the reasons Zaid had voted for Seth to join the Elder Council. It was hypocritical of Seth to feel angry at Shozar, when he'd faced the same prejudice she was now being subjected to. But if anything, it increased his fury, because this was likely what Salathiel would have banked on, just another pawn in the Archangel's schemes. He heard Shozar's heart rate spike, as a guardian angel gave her a particularly hostile glance. Her step didn't falter, and her breathing remained the same. He glanced down at her, impressed, despite himself. His anger at Salathiel warred with his sympathy for her daughter, who was blameless. 
He stopped in front of his apartment and opened the door. Shoza followed, her gaze watchful and alert. The door is coded for only a handful of trusted people, he said. As it is the Archangel's will to have me mentor you, I shall add your name to the door. Seth turned to her, the fullness of her lips holding his attention for longer than necessary as they parted. To the left and up the stairs is my personal rooms, he said, looking away for a moment before turning back to her. Through the, that door is the kitchen and a dining area. He walked forward and veered to the right, to the spare bedroom. That is where you will be studying until you graduate as an angel. I am sure we are both of the same opinion, that the sooner that happens, the... He trailed off as her eyes went wide. Graduate as an angel, shows up echoed a confused look on her face a title to be earned but but does that mean can i leave heaven when i become an angel i won't be hunted her voice dropped for a whisper her eyes shining with so much emotion that for the first time in his existence he wished he could read another's mind that seems too good to be true she said and the suspicion in her voice almost made him smile you have not asked what the training entails. She blinked and a look of surprise passed over her features and he questioned why he'd given such a response. Shoza. Shoza swallowed as she met Seth's midnight gaze. Hidden beneath his cool exterior was amusement. The high angel was teasing her. She'd assumed that he'd wanted to have minimal contact with her despite what the archangels had decreed especially after almost every angel they'd walked past had looked at her like they wanted to push her off the numerous balconies the angels used as landing pads and taking off in the corridor and now his stance but now his stance was relaxed his eyes expectant and full of male satisfaction male satisfaction she'd been staring at him again she looked away her face burning as if she'd never seen a face so beautiful it defied description She'd met vampires, sirens, elves, Valencians, and Trantresses, all who always ranked high on the universe's thousand most beautiful beings list. Of course, angels were always in the top ten, but that didn't hold the monopoly on inhumanly good looks. So why was it that whenever she looked at Seth, her heart sped, and a desire so intense she refused to even acknowledge it raced through her, and it angered her that he most likely knew how hopelessly attracted to him she was. What do I have to do to be trained? Her voice came out husky and inadvertently turned her words into an innuendo. He actually smirked and was about to say something when his brow frowned and he tilted his head to the left a little. He raised a single finger and a distant expression entered his gaze which shows a recognised as a sign of telepathic communication. As he spoke she tried to get her body under control which felt futile with Seth's decadent scent making her body hungry to be spread out on his lush carpet and have his powerful body. This really wasn't helping. She wanted to take a step back, but then he'd know, and a munitious part of her wanted to hold on to the little, if even she had any, self-respect left. So she did the next best thing. Having been trained by the master of assassins to show no emotion, she stood up straight and crossed her hands behind her back, thankful that Seth couldn't read her mind, so that outwardly, at least, it would appear that she wasn't affected by his magnetic presence. His gaze shifted to hers, as if he'd heard. Higher angel, she said, her voice sounding overtly formal, even to her own ears. 
He slipped into the punctilious demeanour she affected when dealing with that aristocracy. If it would not offend, may I ask a favour? A moment of perplexion touched his eyes. I want to go back to earth for my things, she continued when he stayed silent. We left, you kidnapped me, in such an abrupt manner that I was unable to collect any of my belongings. It looked as if he was going to deny her request, his good humour replaced by the supercilious most immortals defaulted to. You have five minutes, Seth said, walking towards the balcony. Thank you, she said. And thank you, Valerie, for insisting I take those etiquette classes. This was not the first time she adjusted the way she spoke and even the way she acted. One of the first rules she'd learnt from traversing the universe was to adapt to any given situation. He held out his hand and she walked forward, annoyed at the sudden feeling of breathless excitement and forbidden desire at being near him. Where do you live? asked as she put her hand in his. It was clad in a soft black gloves and she wondered if it was a crime of his rank. Every angel they had passed by had worn gloves of varying colours. The GC top floor shows his head looking away. Darkness surrounded her as, she sp as he spread his wings wide, the sheer size of them incredible, and despite trying to control her emotion, she gasped. As he peeped them once, twice, exhilaration raced through her as they became airborne. They flew upwards out of the force field that kept others from teleporting directly into heaven. Her eyes grew round as she glimpsed heaven's skyline for the first time. She did not even know what city she was in and it appeared like any other metropolis she had ever seen. Except, of course, as per the angelic way, everything was better. The skyscrapers were so high she wondered briefly if they kissed the upper atmosphere. Her eyes darted from left to right, soaking in the view abundant with one archaeological wonder to another. How they had managed to blend modern buildings with ancient structures was anyone's guess. But the crown jewel of the entire city was a building that no one who didn't own wings could ever enter. Floating almost 50 stories off the ground, rotating like a miniature planet and shaped like a Fabergé egg, could only be the Archangel's residence. Shosa shook her head in wonderment, her mind disbelieving what her eyes were seeing. She was in heaven, flying with an actual angel. Not just any angel, higher angel Seth, her mind whispered, and she looked up only to freeze. Seth was looking at her. No, he was staring. Electricity crackled between them. She couldn't look away even if she wanted to. Her lips parted and his gaze flickered down. When their eyes met again, Shosa felt her stomach flutter at the intensity of his gaze and darkness filled her vision and Seth stepped away so suddenly that Shosa started. They were in her living room, having travelled light years in mere moments. The fear came then and she held on to it as a reminder that she was dealing with no ordinary immortal. She'd always heard that angels, just like any, just like everyone else, had to travel by spaceships to travel across the universe. But Seth was no ordinary angel. He was a higher angel, and he'd just teleported across space itself. Even true-born teleporters could only jump from planets within a galaxy, and they had to train for years to master that ability. I am a higher angel. Do not compare me with other mortals or even mortals that you have met, he said as though reading her mind. An excuse or a warning? She didn't know, and her gait was uneasy, her heart racing for an entirely different reason as she quickly made her way to her bedroom. Her bag already packed, 
her belongings always fitting into one duffel bag she could, so she could always make a clean exit at any given time because of the fear of being discovered by angels. And now here she was, inviting one into her house. Her past self would be disgusted. Years of running, and she'd copulated to her fate so easily. The GC hadn't gone more than five star days without a transmission, but now the building stood empty all because of her. What would Lily do? She'd recover. Mystic would probably make a good on her promise and charge more because an angel had confessed here. Smiling slightly, she walked into the living room and halted as she saw Seth peering at a picture she'd hidden between two books. He seemed too big for her flat, his wings swallowing almost all the space, his height nearly ga grazing the ceiling. She carefully took the picture under his watchful gaze as she took a deep breath and turned to chase. She opened her mind just a fraction. She felt the sheer power that was Seth's mind. There was a lethal edge to it, and oddly, her shields wanted to open further instead of shutting down like they usually did when there was danger nearby. Putting that down to her general idiocy when it came to all things Seth, she turned towards a plant that some planets believed were myths while others believed were untamable. Chase was a Sierra Nora, one of the rare sentient pla plants that was capable of communication. He was a deep golden colour, appearing more like a miniature Salix Babylonica, but far more dangerous. Exquisite gold flowers that mesmerised both mortals and immortals alike blossomed occasionally, and if picked could result in crippling fear followed by an agonising death. The antidote could only be found in the same plant. Many mortals had died before this information was discovered. The Sierra Nora was as infamous as it was famous, being one of the only two plants that had the ability to produce a serum that could save a mortal and an immortal from the brink of death. That was, of course, if you asked the plant nicely enough. Hey, Shosa said softly, stroking a coaxing finger along its plant stem that was over seven feet tall. If you want to come with me, then I would really like that, but you don't have to. This new place won't be easy to live in, Shosa said, and then took a step back and waited. Chase sent her an image of the nebula that shone with a deep purple intensity. He didn't speak in words, but emotions and images, ones that Shosa had learnt to interpret. It took her a moment to realise that the nebula meant Seth. Yeah, you'll be coming with us, Shosa telepathed. A pause, then Chase began to shrivel until he stood a mere 30 centimetres tall. She picked him up. Thank you, she said, and rubbed her cheek on Chase as he sent her calming energy. I'm ready, Shosa said, walking back to Seth. Seth hesitated, his gaze on Chase, and Chase inexplicably began to open his mind to Seth. No, you will absolutely not be communicating with him, she said urgently. Chase complied, but, but Shosa was surprised to find that he wasn't happy about that. Seth was staring, and Shosa opened, offered no explanation as she, as she hefted her bag over her shoulder. She stared back, her gaze indifferent, even as her heart skidded at the prospect of flying with him again. She loved flying ever since she was young, jumping out of aircrafts, flying with small planes, anything to mimic the feel of what it would feel like to have wings. Darkness swallowed them as they left Earth, and Shosa readied herself to be swept down to his apartment as she glimpsed heaven's skyline, but he teleported instead of flying them down, and a small, clearly delusional part of her told her that. He didn't fly, 
because he was as, as affected by what had passed between them earlier as she was. Chase agreed with her. She glared at him as she walked into her new room and set him down on the windowsill. She set her duffel down and was about to close the door when she saw her pass for the Federation peeking out of her duffel. What does the police detective working the case know of my whereabouts, Shosa said, arc suddenly, her tone overtly formal again. Detective Levi of the Galactic Federation knows nothing of your true identity. Though why he evolved himself so suddenly in the matter was interesting, Seth said. You rifled through his memories, Shosa accused, trying not to allow the indignation she was feeling colour her tone. Clearly she failed because Seth narrowed his eyes. He cooperated fully, as did his squad. The Monroes gave us far more information on you than we required, Seth said with disdain. Shosa felt her hand drift to her switchblade, but she stayed her hand. Seth would probably kill her before she even finished unleashing it. What does he think happened to me, Shosa said. That you fled, like you've been doing your entire life, Seth said. He was not surprised you left without warning. Shosa nodded even as her eyes burned with tears. His answer did not surprise her. Immortals treated mortals like pawns, playthings or worse. Why did she expect Seth to be different? Because he was an angel? Because he was, she was attracted to him? Shoshana. Her name on his lips seemed to undo all the anger she wanted to direct at him for robbing her of her life and the sheer power of him as his decadent scent wrapped around her, reigniting the desire she felt as he came to stand before her. She met his gaze and the electricity she felt earlier between them came back with a vengeance. The butterflies in her stomach began to riot. He looked like he was about to say something when his brow frowned and Shosa felt a chill walk up her spine as she felt the near silent sound of wings beating. Higher Angel Seth, a sultry and compelling voice holding an almost musical lilt said from the balcony. Shosa turned. It was the angel she'd seen Seth with at the GC. Warrior Angel Cassandra. If she'd been human, Shosa would have thought that she had Korean ancestry with her smooth olive skin jet black hair that held echoes of the night, decorated in a complicated arrangement, eyes the colour of emeralds and wings the colour of the forest in bloom. Cassandra would never be mistaken for a human. Like all immortals, she was shockingly, almost unbearably good looking. Her red warrior uniform fit her leaf and lean body like a glove. She walked into the room with an ease and familiarity that told Shosa it wasn't her first time here. Jealousy threaded through her as Cassandra's wings touched Seth's, the action feeling like an intimacy reserved for lovers. The warrior's emerald gaze was suddenly upon Shosa, her beauty and power almost blinding. That you must endure the presence of that speaks of your fortitude, Cassandra said. Tis the archangel's will, Seth replied. For your studies, half-breed. Cassandra said, her gaze holding a visceral anger now, as she thrust a small electrical device resembling a tablet at Shosa. Shosa accepted the device, holding Cassandra's gaze for a long moment before looking away, the sheer power of her unnerving, and it made her realise that Seth, as powerful as he was, had to be masking his true power. It reminded Shosa of truly wealthy people who had money for generations and didn't need to flaunt their wealth as opposed to people with new money who were decked out in every designer label they knew. What did you learn from the meeting? 
Seth asks, gesturing Cassandra towards the balcony. This Katamuvarian is perhaps more dangerous than we realise. Cassandra began, as she walked with Seth to the balcony. Shoza's instincts sparkled to life at the mention of the weapons, and it urged her forward to listen. But another part of her, the overriding part, was angry at the ridiculous angelic ability. It had only ever brought trouble. For some reason, it was so much stronger since she had arrived on this planet. But maybe that was its plan, to get her here and imprison her. She was rooted to the spot, refusing to listen to the ability, feeling more mortal and mundane than she'd ever felt, gazing at gods as they spoke in low, intimate tones. She willed her feet to move quickly as she entered her room. No, not her room. The room Seth had been forced to give her. Calming emotions washed over her, and she was finally able to think past all the emotions clouding her judgment. One thing was abundantly clear. She had to leave heaven as soon as possible. Okay, guys, I really hope you enjoyed that story, the re-recording of that story anyway. Um, I can be found on the socials, Twitter and Instagram at creativelyamzy. I also have a blog, Chocolate is the Only Cure, because it is. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I will be back again. I am doing some re-recordings of things, so please stay tuned for that. I appreciate everyone being here. See you all later.